Grace and peace, it's good to be with you. How are you doing on this Father's Day? As Simone just introduced, that I actually am celebrating my first Father's Day with my son outside the womb because my wife was pregnant at the Father's Day last year. So I actually call that still my first Father's Day experience because I was excited about with the anticipation of arrival. And, you know, I just received the, the card this morning that says, Daddy, I love you, you know, celebrating the first Father's Day. I got a, you know, Father's Day card with a handwriting that suspiciously looked like my wife's from my son. And that was the best moment that I actually woke up to. Well, those of you who are joining us just now, and no, Pastor Carter did not shrink and all of a sudden became an Asian. I'm David. I'm the campus pastor at Pinecrest, just filling in for Pastor Carter, uh, who is actually on very well-deserved break for the next couple of weeks. And last week that we actually all wrapped up the wonderful sermon series, and we are starting on a new sermon series called the Wanderers and Wrestlers. This whole summer, we're going to actually park ourselves in Genesis and go through the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who the, our forefathers of our faith, and through their lives story, actually, that foreshadows and actually reflects the story that God had prepared for his redemption story for the rest of us. And as we are going through their life stories that we will actually identify and we'll cry and we'll laugh along with all of their mistakes and triumphs and perhaps understand the deeper meaning of God's love that is shown through their lives to us because all the stories in the Bible ultimately is his way of reaching to us beyond time and beyond spaces. So I'm excited to actually start, kick off this, this wonderful series with a um, sermon titled, actually says that um, on some of the slides that our wandering and his mission, I think that's Pastor Flippe's title. My sermon's title called The Tale of Two Journeys because we will actually look into two journeys that is presented in Genesis chapter 11 and 12 and see how that actually speaks to us about our journey that we're experiencing today. So let's dive right in to a very unusual place to start talking about Abraham. It's Genesis chapter 11. We're going to actually read from the last part of the Genesis chapter 11 and a little bit of the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 11, let me read it for us. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iskar. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah was 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will, make, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, 
so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Aram. And Abram took, his, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered, and all the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place as Cam, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is a word of God. Thanks be to God. You know, many times that when we are actually preaching or when we're talking about Abraham or Abraham before he actually, you know, changes his name, that most of, most of us actually start from the chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1, it actually starts with a bang. It says, and God spoke to Abraham, and the calling was given, exciting. I will bless the one who blessed you, curse the ones who's cursing you. It's almost like an Avengers movie beginning, yes. And most of the times, we go directly to Abraham's calling to speak on his journey. But today, we are actually starting from the chapter 11 because when we skip over the latter part of chapter 11, we actually run a risk of maybe missing some of the intricacy that God had placed in Abram's journey from Ur to Haran to Canaan, the land that God had promised. What do we actually run the risk of missing? The parallel journey that the Terah actually took on behalf of his son, or perhaps a journey on his own, that will actually be the flip side of the coin for Abram. Because when we actually look at the journey, that we only see sometimes the glitz and the glamour and the glory that God has placed through Abram's journey, but we actually need to understand that these two seemingly parallel story, parallel journey, had one very significant difference, calling. And when we actually understand the difference in the calling that Tara and Abram has, perhaps we can actually apply that to our lives better, reflect on it, and perhaps understand where we are with our calling, God's calling in our lives. So, as we are beginning this journey, I want us to actually jump directly to the Tara's story. Now, chapter 11 has another very interesting minefield because in the middle of this wonderful story, creation story that actually began in Genesis 1 and going all the way to Genesis 10 and Genesis chapter 11 talks about the Tower of Babel and the, 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 the failure of the mankind and you know the unification process they actually overtook was disaster and people scattered all over and then comes a genealogy. Raise your hand if you actually like reading genealogy in the Bible. Thank you for not lying on Sunday at church, because that would have been hard. Genealogy is one of those things that we just have to get through, just like, you know, you have to eat your vegetable before you can actually get to your dessert type of thing, because when we actually see that we're begotten, someone begotten someone, someone got begotten by someone, and these names are never easy, and our eyes glaze over, and we just kind of skip through, because these are the names that we don't recognize. It's not like Justin Bieber or BTS. We don't just 
you know, we kind of skimmed them through. And that's what it is in chapter 11. In the middle of it, the Shem's genealogy actually, and his descendants are narrated until the Terah's descendants are once again explained. Now, many of us, we just look at that genealogy and say, that, hey, that Terah, he's just Abraham's father. Good. We got that. Move on. But when it comes to chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 31, there is a very interesting thing that actually has been mentioned. That Terah, just like his son Abram, actually took a journey. Maybe we can go to the next slide. Next one. That from the land of Ur in the Chaldean, that you actually see towards the, the right bottom corner of Mesopotamia, he actually made a journey to Canaan, just like Abram did. Now, when you look at that map, you can see that, hey, Ur is over there on the corner, on the right side at the bottom, and the Canaan is all to the left on the bottom. And, you know, normally you would actually see that, all right, go from here to there, just straight line and just get it done, month and a half, you're home free. Well, there is a huge desert that actually blocks in the way, and most of the time that the no cars, no Amazon to deliver your water for you, that you cannot travel through the desert. So you got to go around these area where there are wells and there are many established cities to travel to Canaan. So that's why Terah actually finds himself in Haran. Now, when you're actually reading that story, right, just one verse, very short verse, we actually distinctly feel that, hey, there is some setup here that God is doing. When God actually placed that journey in Terah's life, what was it? The scripture verse is very clear that in verse 31 it says that the Terah actually took his family and went forth from Ur of the Chaldean to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. In that one scripture verse that the destination is given, and it is very clear that where you're coming from and where you're going to. But what is not given is the reason for that move. People actually think that, hey, back in the days, just like a modern day, you know, people move around. Especially living in Miami, the mo one of the most transient city in the United States, that people go humming and going and people moving from city to city is a normal thing to us. But back in the day, for you to actually move from a, your father's, your kindred land to another land is a, lar is, a, is a big ordeal. And you don't do that without a reason. And yet, there is a no reason that was given for Tara. It just says he's going to go from here to there, and he stopped in the middle in Haran. That change, going from Ur of Chaldean, which was a well-established Sumerian city that is a trade city with a culture and language that is far beyond to a land of Canaan where it is a primitive and there isn't any established city there. In modern day equivalence, that is like if you go from Miami to Portland, Ohio, uh, Iowa, I hope there's nobody from Iowa here, all right, if you go from the Miami to Portland, Iowa, right, and stop in the middle somewhere in Atlanta, and you just settle there. Nobody here in Miami actually moved to Portland, Iowa with no reason, right? 
There has to be a reason if you're going to go there. It's not even Des Moines, okay, guys? It's like a podunk. It's like somewhere out there in Iowa. What was the reason? It is a very clear that the author is trying to tell us that there is no calling into a place, but Tara is just leaving the place where he used to be. And that is where we actually need to park ourselves. Because when we are talking about journey, and when the title of the, the sermon series is called The Wanderers and Wrestler, the wandering by the definition is a movement with aim, without aim that you are moving around from place to place aimlessly. What is the aim? It is a purpose, it is a reason, and Tara, by definition, is a wanderer because he decided to actually leave Ur without any reason to actually move into Canaan. So we actually can suspect that perhaps it is not that he actually wanted to move into Canaan, but he actually had a reason why he actually needed to move out of Ur Perhaps they had uh, some family tragedy. We know that his son, Haran, actually died in the face of his father in his presence. He has a daughter-in-law who is barren, who, which is a tragedy at the time because that actually means not only a shame culturally but also economically. Perhaps there's other difficulties that actually arose, but whatever it is, whatever the reason it is that Tara was not being called into some place, but he is running away from something. And that is the, the beginning of his wandering. When you run away from something, instead of being called into something, you rarely leave behind the troubles of your past. And when Tara, who actually wasn't looking to actually go into Canaan, as a promised land, stumbled upon Haran. It actually provided something that he was looking for because Haran was a busy trade city with a culture and it actually provided him with a comfort and security. And when you stumble upon that success, if you are aimless journeyman, you tend to stay there. The word in the scripture is kind of interesting, the words that Tara settled there, it means that he just sat down and didn't move. It's the same word, the book of Jonah, when Jonah came outside of the city and then was awaiting the, the fall of the city, he sat down there and didn't move. It's the same thing. He just found himself there not being able to move. How many times have we experienced something like that? You know, living in a Miami I know that many of us are not from here. I myself are transplanted from New York City. And as we actually do the ministry here in the city and in the church and workplaces, you come across so many people that actually came from somewhere else. What is the reason why we're here? What brought us here? Perhaps it's a school, perhaps a job, American dream. But what is the reason that you are called to a place unless it is a calling that was given that directs you to a place you can repeat the same thing that you have left behind? 
Many people, when I ask them, like, hey, why are you here in the United States or why are you here in the Miami? They actually said that I'm actually here because I'm looking for success. So they don't say that actually out loud. It's kind of conceited if they say it. But when you talk to them, it is very clear that it is a success that they are looking for. But if it is a success that is geared towards you and your family, perhaps you're not moving towards success but running away from the failure of your past. The biggest problem that Tara had when he actually got on this journey is that he actually had a call that was originated from himself. He was looking for a new place to settle. He was running away from the difficulty of the past of the Ur of the Chaldean. And when he came to Haran, he actually found the success there and security and comfort because he was looking to settle in for himself and his family alone. And that is the difficult and danger that we can. Ultimately, the terrorist problem is that when you actually are called by yourself, for yourself, then you kind of have to carry yourself. And when you are in a journey navigating by your own stars, you know how fickle your heart is, how fickle you yourself are, that you change just as often as you change your shirt. And I pray that that star can actually point to the true north. This comfort and security is a problem of a modern day that many of us actually are also looking for. When you look for a calling, and many of us actually do look for it, that if it is self-centered or self selfish in its origin, it will soon lead you to place where you can just settle. And when you don't consider that in Abraham and Tara's journey, that we can actually run into that problem. Why are we here? What is your calling? Do we even have a calling? Compared to that, Abraham actually had a calling that is very apparent that it came from God. That God appeared to him and gave him a calling that actually will bring him out of a land of Haran and into the Canaan. The journey that has a meaning beyond. But what is the reason that actually was given. Abraham, he actually was called by God, and his calling is for others. When we're actually talking about calling, it is often that we actually look for the three structure and invitation that is from him. Let's turn to the chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. I mean, let me read for us the first three verses. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from the country and your kindred and your father's household to the land that I will show you. 
and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. What a calling. This is actually probably the favorite verses for many immigrants who actually come to the United States because, hey, it just seems like, hey, you know what? Leave the country that I'm from, go to a brand new place, and God will bless me and to bless me the way that I want to be blessed. Many times what we actually forget is that God's calling actually has a very distinct three structures that God actually invites us to respond to his calling and God actually gives us his response as a blessing and God gives us the ultimate purpose for that calling. When he actually invites us, our response is this, that you actually go from your country and your kindred and your father's household to the land that I will show you. That's what we actually have to do. God is actually telling us or telling Abraham to do this. And when you do that, God's promise that comes that I will do this, that I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you, and I'll make your name great. And most of the times that we just stop there, because that just sounds like great blessing. Hey, you know what? I'll leave any place behind and go into the place that you actually lead me into if you actually will bless me and make me into a great nation. Hey, what can, what can I lose? But what we actually forget is the purpose of that calling. Because God's calling is never centered on you or focused on you, but he's always focused on others. Because the ultimate purpose why God is going to bless Abraham, the ultimate purpose what God is going to actually bless us is so that, that you will be a blessing to others. And that is the difference between Tara's calling Abraham's calling, Tara's wondering, versus Abraham being on the mission of God, and that is the calling that we are all searching for. Now, when we actually talk about calling and the self-centeredness, it sometimes gets a little too crazy. But let me just ask you this. If the God of the universe is calling you to do something, and he's actually giving you his blank check to do what do you actually want to do, what would you do? Many times, we actually don't even know what greatness that God is inviting us to. C.S. Lewis actually wrote this in one of his books that said, Our desires are not too strong but too weak. We, have half-hearted, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about, the dark and, fooling about the drinks with drinks and sex and ambition that infinite joy while infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pie in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are too easily pleased. When God of the universe is calling you to actually journey with him, that he's not calling just so that he can bless you, that will actually come along the way. That is how he will actually use you. But his invitation is so that through you that many will be blessed. 
you have heard that God's invitation is to be a blessed one, to be a blessing. Many times when I pray, Lord, bless me so that I can be the source of blessing for many that I come across. Oz Guinness, a theologian and author of the book Called, said that the biblical understanding of the, the giftedness, the gifts, are never really ours for ourselves. We are nothing that was not given to us. Our gifts are ultimately God's, and we are only stewards, responsible for the prudent management of the property that is not our own. That is why our gifts are always ours for others, whether in the community of Christ or the border, a broader society outside, especially the neighbor in need. So Tara's journey and Abram's journey, the ones with a call that is truly self-originated, selfish and self-centered in its origin versus a God's calling that is going beyond and looking at what God can bring to this society and to everyone. This is a night and day difference. And when we're actually looking at Abraham's journey, sometimes we actually miss that God is making a very distinct difference in be- between these two. But if you actually just stop there, it actually becomes a very cliche, very much like, hey, I understand that we actually have to get a calling. I understand that, they, you know, that Tara actually got his own selfish journey that he actually wandered around aimlessly and just settled for his own good. That his journey actually was flawed from the beginning. And Abram was blessed by God and he actually received God's calling. Great. How does that actually reflect in my life? If I actually don't have that calling yet, or if I actually got the calling and if I'm not looking for it, if I actually fell into that trap of comfort and security, What do I do? This is where I'm so grateful that in the Bible, that whole story is composed of the people with the flawed character. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, that you will only find one truly good character, Jesus Christ, and everyone else are screw-ups. Not one character that you find in the story of Bible actually will not have a fault. And Bible is pretty pretty brutal because it will point out every single one of them not to actually just make them look bad for us but it is for our good the reason why we actually have to look at the story of Terah and the story of uh, Abraham actually on this journey together is so that we actually understand that Abraham's calling didn't originate from Haran we actually think of that from the chapter 12 that, hey, Abraham actually got the call from, from God and he actually departed from Haran, actually got into Canaan. And that second half of the story was amazing. But what we actually don't realize is that Abraham actually was received that calling in the land of Ur. Acts chapter 7 verse 2 is Stephen's testimony and he actually recounts the whole story. And it is very clear that he says, as Stephen said, Brother and Brothers and father, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abram, when he was in Mesopotamia before, li- before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out 
from your land and from the kindred and go into the land that I will show you. When he actually went out from the land of the Chaldean and, and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which that you are now living. Folks, this is where he actually gets interesting. The forefather, the father of the faith, Abraham, who actually became Abraham, he was, received the calling back in New Earth when he was actually staying and just hanging out with dad. Until he actually became a young age of 75, the journey that he actually took from Ur to Haran was a journey of terror. There's nothing mentioned in the Genesis about Ab Abraham actually dictating anything. Maybe he actually said, hey, dad, if we're actually moving, I know that you actually are going and wandering. You have to leave this place, you know, because of the pain and suffering or economic hardship, whatever it is. Maybe we can go to Canaan. Perhaps he said it, but there's nothing that actually directed him there. He was given this calling, and yet he wasn't fulfilling it. Hey, folks, don't discount the circumstances and situation in your life that actually takes you along your, your calling without you knowing or sometimes even without you trying it. God can actually use many things to actually put you in the halfway, right? But what you actually didn't do is that you didn't answer the call right away. Abraham didn't. And we all know that he is a flawed character himself. He's a wanderer until he actually got to Haran because he was doing the same thing that his dad did. He wasn't searching, you know, exclusively searching for it. Hey, folks, we actually are hung up on the land of Canaan, but when Abraham was called by God, you know where he was sent? You know where his destination was? It wasn't Canaan. God said, go to the land that I will show you. It could easily be Miami if we could actually make it all the way here. Canaan was a place where he ended up showing as a promised land, but Abraham actually received that promise, received that calling to just go and follow God. Just like Israelites actually had to follow the pillar of fire and pillar of clouds in the middle of the wilderness, that Abraham will be shown. And here's the thing. God didn't even reveal the destination when he departed. Just like when the Israelites actually stepped into the River Jordan that the river actually didn't stop, they actually had to go in for a while before something happened. God said, I will show you the land, but you actually get up and move. But Abraham actually couldn't. Abraham didn't. Whatever the story is, his story didn't start till halftime. I don't know, maybe he's like some of the basketball, player, basketball players who actually don't wake up till like halftime and, you know, make the, the you know, crucial three points at the end. But his calling that came in the land of Haran was God's grace upon us because from time to and time again, God shows up to Abram and reminds him of the calling that was placed in him. And the covenant that was promised to him. And the future that God actually will bring to use a flawed man to bless a nation. Many of us living our day today 
we search for that calling. From my ministry way back when, whenever I actually talk to young professionals, what they actually come and ask for is always the same thing, the big three. Am I supposed to live in this city? Am I supposed to work in this work, at, you know, at this job? And who am I going to marry? Give me the calling from God. Let me hear. How can I actually hear God's voice clearly? But what they actually don't know is that, hey, have you thought of the calling that was placed in your life before you came here? Have you actually thought of perhaps the way that God has led you to this point? Do you remember what was given way back when you actually first met him? Or have we gotten into the habit of the security, the success, the comfort, and we just leave things behind and start going through the motion? Because when Abram followed his dad, he had all the good excuses. The patriarch is moving. I am part of his household. I don't have any power. I'll just go with him. Hey, he's going along the way. Maybe he will go to Canaan. Maybe he will actually fulfill my calling for, you know, for me and with me. Whatever reason was that it was just so easy to just stay. And worse yet, verse 4 actually says, after his father has died, God removed him from there. From where? The land of Haran. Because Abram lived in Haran. He, once his father passed away, it's not like he just packed up and got ready to actually continue on the journey. He got used to the comfort. He got used to the security. He enjoyed the success. Later on, we find out the city of Nahor and the, the Laban actually were wealthy men. They actually found a success in the land of Haran, and they just stayed there. Hey, folks, how easy is it that once we actually find a little bit of success, we actually just settle there and start thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe I can just take a little break. Maybe I can just finish this portion of my life and actually work on this resume, work on that job, work on this skill, and perhaps I can just kind of take a pause on what God actually has placed in my life. Maybe it's time for me to look at me and then do me good instead of answering the call. A lot of times that we find ourselves sleeping, and it's okay. Abraham did. The story of Terah wandering into Haran was God's mercy, telling us that, hey, listen. If you don't have the calling from me, you will aimlessly wander. The story of Abram being called in chapter 12 and moving into Canaan, it's God's grace telling us that if you have settled, I will come and remove you. If you actually have stopped, listen and I will come and speak to you again and again and again. Folks, the calling that you have been placed in your life won't change, but he who actually have placed it in there will speak to you over and over again to remind you.
if you listen. In this flawed story of Abraham, there's only one success that actually shines forth. And to me, that's the secret of his success. Because in chapter 12, verse 4, it says that so Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. It's a great statement and also it's a humbling statement. Because it actually tells you that Abraham, once he's reminded, once he's awakened from his sleep, once he actually is back on track, that he actually moved right away after God has reminded him of his calling again. How did he do that and what actually brought him to do that? You know, when I came down here, the first person that I met from Crossbridge is Pastor Marcus. And those of you who actually know him, you know how he is. He's a bubbly kind character that, that will just welcome you and just embrace you. And before you know, you're sitting at his dining table and you are buddy-buddy for life, you know, with a man I just met two days ago. And he always, always invites you to actually come and join his ministry. And whenever you actually say, no, I can't, I'm too busy, I don't know anyone, I don't know if I can do that, he, he just repeats these lines that actually will make you just close your mouth and say, okay, I will do it. He says that God does not call qualified, he qualifies the called. Same thing with Abram, a flawed man, a forefather who actually end up in the Hall of Fame in Hebrew chapter 11 of the faith, the man who is actually known for his faithfulness throughout his journey when he was first called, he was nobody. He wasn't a God-worshipping, a, a fervent, devoted Christian. He was still worshipping moon god probably. It wasn't his doing that actually God actually picked him up, but it was God who actually just chose Abram to actually become Abraham. And for a flawed man like that, how can he actually find his way to say yes to the calling? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive the inheritance. He had, and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith. He went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith. By faith. Well, this sounds good, Pastor Dave, but by faith, how do we actually get to that? What does it mean to actually do it by faith? It is to actually believe the things unseen and things yet to come. Yes, fine. How do we actually get there? And here comes the secret that Abraham actually had. When he was called, he didn't look to the calling, but he looked beyond the calling to the one who called him. Folks, anything, any calling, any purpose, any goal in your life, when you look to it, and when you actually see where it is originated, because by nature, if you're called, there has to be a caller, right, that you're answering. 
When you look at the caller, can you trust that person? You know, I hate the word believe in yourself because when I try that, I always fail. You know, it's one of those anecdotes that actually doesn't work on me. But when you actually believe in yourself and when you truly look at yourself with all the calling that actually originated about you, for you, for your family, can you really trust for you to carry yourself through the difficult times, through the hard times? Can you see yourself actually doing it? Yes, I can do it with my own two hands, tying bootstraps and getting there. Or when you look to the one who called you, our Father, who didn't save his own son, but sacrificed himself for our salvation, the one who actually brought us here, the faithful one who started a good work, who will surely finish. Can you trust him? Because that will get you up off your pew and into the journey that God is calling. Therefore, when Abraham actually heard God's calling, he became so certain that God would lead him into a land where he was established a great people that the future promise was transposed to the present. Philo of Alexandria said that Abraham considered that things not present as beyond question already present by reason of the sure steadfastness of the one that promised them. Folks, when you're actually considering a calling, any calling in your life, Look to the caller and see if you can trust that person. If you can, if it's God Almighty who promises you and who is able to deliver that promise, go for it. Go for it. That will get you through the difficult times. Difficult times of when Abraham actually was asked to sacrifice his only begotten son on the altar. Abraham said yes and went. That is the secret that will actually propel you through your difficult time to answer the call that was placed in your life. So, the journey of Terah, journey of Abraham. What about our journey? Where are you in this call? Are you still searching for that calling? If you are, let me give you a tip. The surest way to hear God's calling the loudest is when you are closest to him. If you're looking for your calling and want to hear him, don't ask for calling, but go find the caller. When your relationship with him is close, then you will hear him. Once you heard him and given the calling in your life, don't settle. Don't stop. But if you have stopped, it's okay. Listen to him again. Get up and go to the land that he will show you. Along the way, he'll make you into a great nation for his purpose for others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us these wonderful examples of failures. 
the wandering of Terah, and the journey of Abraham that reminds us once again that, Lord, without your calling in our lives, we are aimlessly going from place to place looking for the next thing that will satisfy us, looking for the security and the satisfaction that will not guarantee us anything but a momentary satisfaction. We actually are looking towards you for your calling, for your purpose that will sustain us in this journey. Give us a meaning and give us a calling that will propel us to this great realm to do your mission, to do your will on the mission with you, God. But along the way, that we are tempted. We're tempted to settle, tempted to stop, tempted to take a rest. But Lord, whenever we come that way, from time to time, will you speak to us again? Will you wake us up again and ask the wanderers who are still searching, being called into being your missionary, to join in your mission? Lord, Father God, grant us the blessing that we may be blessing for others. Thank you so much. For the love that you have shown us by calling us first to join you, to actually go with you. Thank you so much for your gift of Jesus Christ who loved us first and showed us what we actually need to do. Lord, teach us through these stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob how to lead, how to wrestle, and how to answer the call that you have placed in our lives. Pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.